Well, welcome to Mile Straight. We are glad you're here today. If you would, reach into your bulletin and take your study guide out. You'll find one that looks like this in your bulletin. If you'll grab that out and also grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack in front of you. A couple of quick notes about the study guide. Um, first of all, you'll see that on the study guide there are three points listed. But what you're going to find when we get done is that we've only covered one of those three points. And you'll be glad of that because the first point is going to take us a few minutes to develop and talk about. Once I got into it and started studying it, I came to realize there is so much here. There's just no way to divide the time up. And so next week we may continue it. We may not. We'll just see what happens between now and then. Uh, the other thing you see at the top of your page that we're still in our our uh, three-part series transform or, or excuse me transparent to transform to transcend it's so important that we walk through these stages that we go to this place to where we are just transparent before God to where we acknowledge who we are and what we are before a holy God not that we acknowledge what we want people to think we are or what we want them to believe we are, but that we acknowledge who we really are before a holy God, and that is a worthless sinner. Let me tell you something. You can get a high hat and you can think yourself better than that. The truth of the Word of God is that we are nothing more than worthless sinners saved by the incredible grace of a mighty God. And that's what it boils down to. And so I had to come to the place where I am totally transparent before God. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm just being real with God. Here's what I am. And as I humble myself before God in that way and I submit myself to his work in my life, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God begins a transformation in my life. To where the, the thoughts in my mind begin to change. Before, my thoughts were based upon what the world had taught me and what I'd been trained to believe was right. It, it taught me what, what it wanted me to know, what it wanted me to think was important. And all of a sudden, as the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, begins to transform my thoughts, begins to transform my life, those things that used to be important to me are no longer that important because now I'm becoming more like Jesus Christ, my Savior. And as this transformation takes place, the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, that we're not to be conformed, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. We make the thoughts new. We change what we used to think into something that is now pleasing to God. And God begins to work in our lives and bring about incredible change that is glorifying to Him. And so we start with this transparency stage where we are uh, acknowledge what we are before God. We move then through the Word of God to develop a transformation in our life through the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything we do. It's the Spirit of God that does it. That brings us then to this place where we transcend. Transcend. If you want to jot a little note down, transcend means to rise above. To rise above. And what we're talking about here is rising above what is normal for a nominal Christian. Nominal meaning, I'm just going to do what I have to do to get by. I just want to get into the gates. I'm not going to do anything else. A nominal Christian. What we're looking at is transcending that thought. Moving beyond what used to be normal for us 
to where we get to the place to where everything we do based upon the transformation that has taken place in our lives everything we do now is above what is normal what is expected of nominal Christians to where now we are truly glorifying God in our lives you'll see a note that kind of summarizes this particular study not just the first point but all three place for you to fill in your first fill in says a very damaging thing to the body of Christ is a nominal Christian very da damaging thing to the body of Christ is one who says okay I'm just gonna do what I have to do I'll come to church but that's about it I want to be saved but that's about it don't expect me to take this any further it's so damaging to the body of Christ in our study of Romans chapter 12 on Sunday evenings and by the way if you haven't been part of that I wish you'd join us this evening come and join us for that study Romans chapter 12 at 630 630 but during that study what we've seen is that God in fact this past week was the week we were doing with verses 4 and 5 which talk about this has established the church as a body and the body of Christ is such to where every individual part of the body has a role to play. And if we're not fulfilling that role, if we're not transcending what is normal for a nom nominal Christian, if we're not rising above, then there's going to be difficulties in the church. We're not going to achieve what God has called us to achieve. We're not going to be as effective as we're supposed to be. We're going to be missing and so we all have a responsibility to transcend, to rise above, to go beyond what is typical. For the discussion this morning, what I want us to do is look at the first point only, as I mentioned earlier, and just unveil what's going on here. Because I think the first place, your next fill in, is that we have to transcend or we have to rise above in worship. Rise above in our worship. Now, please hear me in this. You're just going to have one more fill-in, but there's a lot of things I'm going to ask you to write in. And since you're not going to be using the rest of your paper for fill-ins, feel free to just mark all over it, okay? Don't worry about it. You'll know it's for this first point. Just feel free to use it. Because I'm going to ask you to jot down a lot of things that I consider to be very important during the course of this study. So then what is it that causes us to need to transcend in our worship what is it that that makes us want to rise above what is normal for a nominal Christian in our worship why do we need to do that I think there are three reasons at least three that I want to share with you probably a lot more these would be good to write down number one because here is where fulfillment is found fulfillment here is where fulfillment is found. Worship is, is the product that brings about fulfillment in our lives. Maybe you're like I've been in my past to where I search for fulfillment in my life in so many different things, so many different ways. Drugs, alcohol, you name it. I tried it trying to fill an emptiness inside of me and I could not fill it there. And what I've found now as I've gotten to this, this obtained age that I am, I've found that the only way to fill that emptiness is through doing what I've been created to do. And what have we been created to do? We've been created to glorify God. And what is more glorifying to God than we're, when we are expressing His greatness? That's our worship. We're expressing the greatness of Almighty God. 
So when I come to this place or when I'm out by myself and I'm expressing the greatness of God, either to myself, to God, but by myself or with other people or telling other people about the greatness of God, there's something so satisfying in that. It's hard to explain unless you've experienced the satisfaction that comes through expressing the greatness of Almighty God because it fulfills the purpose of my existence. This is why God created me, to bring Him glory. And so number one, it fulfills the purpose. It brings me to fulfillment. Number two, it is encouraging to the rest of the body of Christ. It's encouraging to the rest of the body of Christ to see me worshiping God because what it's going to do is encourage them to do the same thing. It's going to let them know it's okay. It's okay to worship God. This is not a place to where you have to be concerned who's going to make fun of you, who's going to ridicule you. If you just let loose and worship God, it's okay to do that. And in the process of me doing it, people are going to watch, people that maybe follow, people that are friends, and they're going to see that this is what's expected when we come together. What's expected. The third reason I think is the most important of all, and that is that this is what God expects from us. This is what God expects from us. You see on your page the verses listed, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. This to me is an amazing set of verses. Jesus is talking to the woman of the well. You may remember the story. You may not. It doesn't matter. The story here is contained for us in these two verses. Where Jesus tells her this. He said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then he says something that is remarkable to me. He says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so Jesus said the time is coming and in fact it's here now. Because the Savior of the world was on the scene, it's here now when true worshipers, those who really worship God, are going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He says, this is what God is looking for in us. The indication is that there are a lot of people who say they're worshiping God, and yet it's a false worship. It's not real. And so God is looking for those individuals who are engaging in true worship. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. God is looking for those who will worship Him in the proper way. And what does it mean to worship Him in spirit and in truth? This is a really important thought here. And I think the best way to understand it is to look at the opposite of it. To contrast the two, if you will. Where one side is worshiping God in spirit and truth, this is what God is looking for. The other side, the opposite of this, then, would be worshiping in a false sense of what is right and what is wrong out of a fleshly desire. And what do I mean by that? I mean instead of the focus of my worship being God, instead of expressing the greatness of God, what I'm really concerned about is being seen. I'm really concerned about being heard. I'm really concerned with what people think of me. Worship is not to be about me unless I am the focus of that worship. And let me tell you something. In this place and in our lives, in our world, we should never be the focus of our worship. Never. 
So then worshiping God in spirit and in truth is when I am transparent before God. I recognize who I am before God. Nothing more than a worthless sinner. I don't deserve the worship. And the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, transforms my life to bring me to this place to where I transcend, to rise above what is typical, what is normal for a nominal Christian, to offer God something that is real, something that God desires. In fact, something that this mighty God, this God that is bigger than anyone you know, bigger than our world, bigger than our universe, this God that is so enormous is looking down upon these little specks of humanity, looking for one of us for some reason, I don't understand it, but looking for one of us that is actually worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I don't get it. I don't get why God would be concerned if I worship him or not. I don't get that. Why would he care if someone as worthless as me was worshiping him? And yet for some reason, this incredible God is looking down, desiring, looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's an amazing concept to me. And so it's so vital that we transcend what is normal to give to God that which he so richly deserves. And I believe when we come together in a corporate setting such as this, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to offer incredible worship to God. So that when one part of the body is not doing that, there is a vacancy there. The worship is not near what it's supposed to be before God. That, in fact, brings us to your next fill-in, which says a very dangerous thing to the time of worship is one who does not participate. A very dangerous thing to the time of worship is one who does not participate. Now, here's the reason this particular part of the study went long. Because as I thought about this, the question came to my mind, and I believe it was God that put it on my heart, why would someone not participate in worship? Why, why would that be? Now, lest you think that every answer that could possibly come from this is negative, let me share with you something, a couple of things that you may be surprised by that may stop us and say, hey, listen, I better stop judging people because I don't really know what's going on. Because there are times when someone would respond to that and say, you know what, my worship is just different. It's more internal. I get that. And being an introverted person myself, it's a little easier for me to understand. Uh, I see people in here, you lift your hands, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm glad you feel comfortable to do that. But then you look over at me and you probably don't see me doing that. In fact, I don't think I have ever done that. It's just not me. I'm just not comfortable doing that. But you may see me at another time, something speak to me in the song or something speak to me in the message, and you may just see me stop and say, thank you, God, thank you. That's my worship. It's different. And you know what I've come to realize? There's nothing wrong with our worship styles being different. There's nothing wrong with us being drastically different in our worship style from the church up the road from the church down the road. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it is so pleasing to God because God has created us to be different, believe it or not. We're all different. And when we worship God in the way that He has created us, God is worshipped in so many different ways. 
how boring it would be if everybody worshiped God the way I do. But how exciting it must be to God to see people worshiping Him in the way that He's created them. So that some are very vocal, some are very visible, some are very silent. And you may say, that's me, Tom. That, that's the reason people don't actually see me. It's more internal for me. You may also find in this situation that some would say, you know what, it's just been a really hard week. And so for me to, to really sing out is, is just something that I can't do right now. Hey, I understand that too. I understand that too. We have to be really careful on this side. If you happen to be somebody that's really vocal, to look around and see somebody that's not worshiping like you, to start pointing fingers and start judging because that's not our place. We're not worshiping you. You're not worshiping me. Therefore, it's not my business. What it is is a, is a situation where God is the one who judges that. Is this real? Is this really what I'm looking for? But now, lest we use that as an excuse... Okay, now let's, let's just jump to the other side of this because I know in my own life there's been times when I've said that but the reality was there was something else going on. Reality was there at that particular point there was sin in my life maybe. And as a result, I didn't want to worship God. It, it seemed so hypocritical. In fact, it would have been to have been saying, God, you know, you're the greatest. I really believe that when all the time I'm living something totally different. There are others who maybe the situation, and this has probably been my case as well at some point in my life, to where it was just nothing more than pride. I don't want people to see me doing that. Maybe there was some embarrassment because people are going to associate me with those crazy people. <laughs> That's you. You're the crazy people. I'm the normal one. Maybe it wasn't pride. Maybe it wasn't embarrassment. Maybe it was just a lack of concern. I just don't care. Maybe, maybe it was um, unthankfulness. Maybe it's a lack of know-how. Maybe you're new to the faith. You just say, well, I, just, I just don't know the songs. I, just, I don't really know how to do this yet. <laughs> hey, we all had to start somewhere. We're not pointing fingers at you either. But I think what this all boils down to, if you're on the negative side of this, you can say, okay, yeah, maybe that's part of why I'm not worshiping the way I'm supposed to. Or maybe that's exactly why I'm not worshiping the way I'm supposed to. I think what it boils down to is that, and this would be something really good to write down, by the way, this statement that I've not come to the place to where I understand yet who it is I'm supposed to be worshiping. If I've allowed pride, which is, by the way, this flesh that we were talking about, it's not worshiping in spirit and truth, it's worshiping in the flesh. I'm more concerned about myself. The other things that were mentioned, these are fleshly issues. It's not giving God what He wants. If I allow that to stand in the way, then what, what is very obvious in my life is I think too much of myself and I don't really understand God just yet. I don't really understand His greatness. I don't really understand His mercy and His love upon me. Because when I get that, 
And all of a sudden, there is a drastic difference that takes place in my worship. How do I get that? It comes through the renewing of the mind, this transformation stage. How does that take place? It's me being in the Word of God. I know we harped on this over and over last week, and I've done that throughout my ministry, especially in the last two and a half years once God made that real to me. But it is so vital that we be in the Word of God because it's that that brings transformation. It's that that the Spirit of God uses to bring transformation. The more I read about God, the more I know about God, the more I know about His promises, the more I see his grace and his mercy to me, the more I see his love and his kindness upon me, the more I see his protection. It makes a drastic difference in my worship. All of a sudden, that which was very nominal, very fleshly, is something that is very convicting to me. And my life takes a change as my worship becomes Pure, at least pure, and I begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. And where do we see those differences occur? Well, number one or letter A, if you want to put this into your notes, I think we will see a drastic difference in the quality of our worship we will see a drastic difference in the quality of our worship. Why? Because all of a sudden, that which I'm offering to God is coming from a heart of gratitude. I have grown in my understanding of God. I've acknowledged who I was. I've humbled and submitted myself to God. And He's, through the Spirit of God and His Word, brought about a transformation that's brought me to this place to transcend, to rise above what is typical for a nominal Christian in my worship. Because I have seen God. I have experienced Him. I know what He is, what He's done for me. I know the love He's shared with me. And it causes the quality of my worship to increase. The, the quality of spirit and truth that's offered is far greater than that which I used to offer when it was more about me. More about my desires. More about me being seen. And I think the quality also increases the second part of this, not only because of the heart of gratitude, but also because I'm not as concerned anymore about those that are around me and what they're thinking. You know, I've been very guilty. As I've told you, I'm a people pleaser. I want to do stuff that makes people happy. I've been very guilty in my past of, of being more concerned about what somebody thought if I was to, to really engage in giving God the glory and the greatness that he deserves, expressing that greatness to him. But once I get to this place of understanding who God is, then all of a sudden the concerns of what everybody else might think begin to take a back seat. And I still have that concern, but all of a sudden it's not as important to me as what God thinks because I have seen God for who He is and I have seen me for who I am. So the quality of my worship increases. Letter B, number two, however you're writing it in. Not only will the quality increase, but I think the quantity will also increase. Quantity of my worship. And why is that? Because my worship will not be confined to a song or a song service. 
My worship will not be restricted to a simple time when we're singing a song that, that, that it seems to move me emotionally. Absolutely, that's part of it. Absolutely, that's a time of my worship. But all of a sudden, because I've gone through this transparency, this transformation, I'm ready to transcend, and I begin moving beyond what is typical, what is normal, and I move to where now when the Word of God is opened up, my worship is very evident. I'm expressing the greatness of God because I want to know what He has to say to me. I want to know what he's put in his word, what he's put on the heart of the one who's speaking to share with me. I want it. I want to soak it in. I want to absorb it. And it goes beyond that. It doesn't stay there. It goes beyond that to the time when uh, it needs to be applied to my life. I'm not just going to allow it to sit there. I'm not going to be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Because now I want to be transformed in this area as well. And so as a result, this transformation process that takes place from the time I'm saved to the day that I die or to the day I stand before Jesus Christ in eternity, this process continues on because now God has spoken to me and I know that there's something he desires from my life and as a result I'm going to apply it to my life I want it to be real for me I want it to be part of my existence and it goes beyond that it doesn't stop there it goes to the time when we're giving to where I'm showing God how great he is to me because I'm giving him the first part of my my, my income I'm giving him my tithes and my offering and it goes beyond that to the point when I leave the auditorium it's not confined to a church service because it goes in the way I'm obedient Jesus said if you love me you do what I say so I show that love I show that that desire to express his greatness in my life as I live out through the week and I show it beyond that when I tell others about the greatness of God and I show it beyond that when I'm sharing what God is doing at our church and I'm inviting people to come and see I want my life to be a time of worship not simply a, a segment of my life my whole life I want God to receive glory and worship as I express his greatness in everything I do everything I think everything I say every place I go I want God to be worshipped in my life. That's what God is looking for. When God looks down at these little micro specks of humanity, God is not looking for one who worships him only in a song. But God is looking for someone who takes that worship, that expression of his greatness, and carries it through their week, through their lives. That's what God desires. And so as we come now to this point of application, what do I do with this? I think in my way of thinking, it's first of all an understanding of what my worship truly is. Now please hear me in this. Stop what you're doing, look up here, listen to this for a second. Because I think the worst thing we can do is try to okay how we've worshipped in the past. We try to put the stamp of approval on it. Oh, yeah, it doesn't sound like what he's saying there, but, yeah, I think it's okay. 
Let's don't do that. Listen, I'm not asking you to come and tell me where your situation is, where your difficulty is, where your problem is in this. I'm not asking for that. I don't want to come and share mine with you, in fact. But what I really wish is that we would just get real with God right now. You to God. It's not my place to judge you. It's not your place to judge me. But you can rest assured God is. And so as God looks down upon our worship, what is he seeing? When we come to the time of singing, are, are, we, are we voicing the greatness of God through the songs? Or are we sitting mindlessly wondering about what's going to happen next week, where we're going for lunch? Listen, my, my job here is not conviction. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I just want to make you aware. I want to bring us to the place to where we see it for what it really is. So that when we look at our worship, how we worship today, how we worship last through the last week, how we worship last Sunday, what do we see? Is it something that God would look upon and say, yes, that's what I'm looking for? Or is God looking on it and saying, that's more about you than it is me. Who is it that we really want to be seen in our worship? So that now as we come to this time of application, we examine it for what it really is. And if it needs to be, we confess it to God. And we say, God, I'm sorry. Man, I have failed miserably. And we ask Him to transform our lives. Because of our transparency, we've confessed it, we've humbled ourselves. We ask Him to bring transformation so that we can transcend that which is normal in the life of a nominal Christian. It's only then that this church will begin to offer something meaningful to God in our worship. May that be the case. May that be the case for us at Mile Strike.